0: So Money episode ten forty eight. Tracy Tudor, host of Million Dollar Listing Los Angeles, and author of the new book, "Fear is just a four letter word." You're listening to So Money with award winning money guru Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a thirty minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life. Welcome to So Money.
1: I remember being, you know, a junior in the business and coming into it at the age of like 23, 24 years old, thinking, well, I'm connected. I live in L.A. I know a ton of rich people. This is going to be a breeze for me. And, you know, that was a rude awakening and, you know, a little naivete and also a gigantic ego at the age of 24. You know, I was smacked in the face with the reality that, you know, people don't trust their greatest asset with someone, you know, that isn't skilled.
0: It's Real Estate Week on So Money. Wasn't planning on it, but if you listened to the show on Monday, in case you missed it, that was real estate guru, Elise Glink, giving us all of the behind the scenes of what's happening on the real estate market. If you're following me on YouTube, just posted a fresh video on whether or not it's a smart time to buy a house. Now, we did this. We bought a house, so I guess I'm a little biased, but the video really walks you through the checklist of things that you really want to have fit Figured out before you strike it, especially in today's market. And no one knows the market better than my guest today, Tracy Tudor. You may have recognized her from the Bravo show, Million Dollar Listing Los Angeles. She is the only female broker on that show. Gotta love that. She is a mother, entrepreneur, and has 15 years of experience as a real estate agent in the Los Angeles area. She's here to share some insights on the real estate market, at least on the West Coast, as well as insights from her new book, Fear is Just a Four Letter her word, how to develop the unstoppable confidence to own any room. She talks about her beginnings as a real estate agent, the failures, as well as a recent success that required some interesting engineering on her part. Here's Tracy Tudor. Tracy Tudor, welcome to So Money. Oh, thank you so much for having me. First question, I'm asking all my guests this: uh, You're out in LA. You work in real estate. You're a mom. You're an entrepreneur. How are you doing? How are you holding up? How is COVID impacting or not impacting all aspects of life? Oh God, you know, I, I feel like we're we are beginning to you know
1: see a little bit of recovery. You know, the last call it 50 days. I think we are at at this point um, have been challenging, but you know, I'm grateful to be in Los Angeles. We I've had incredible weather. So to be able to be outside a little bit in my backyard and take a walk and not be, you know, knock on wood in New York city where, you know, I feel for everybody on the East coast being in a city like that and having, um, not as much access to, you know, your a backyard. So that piece has been good, but I'm not going to lie to you. You know, it's day to day, you know, I, sure. yesterday was, um, not great. And, you know, today I woke up with a new attitude and I'm just trying to stay busy.
0: Speaking of staying busy, your job uh, as one of uh, the city's top real estate brokers, how are prices doing out there? Are you seeing pricing pressure? It's hard to predict, right? Because interest rates going down, maybe that's going to spur demand, but sellers don't really want to sell right now. So that's... Maybe not a good time, so that's not really giving you a lot of options as a buyer, but what are you seeing in terms of supply, demand, and pricing?
1: Well, you know, obviously, it's a little bit all over the place. Um, We haven't in Los Angeles been able legally to show property, and we've been following Governor Newsom's restrictions as far as that goes, and that has limited us greatly as far as how much business you can really do. Now, you know, in the first part of the pandemic, and call it the first 30 days, Um, you know, we were seeing closing still happening. I think there's been a little bit of a drop off there, Um, but I will say this, there have been more buyers in the market because obviously they feel that there might be buying power, you know, for the next um, foreseeable six months, um, particularly with a developer. So all the new construction and development that's happening in L.A., Um, I would say up to a certain price point, the under $10 million mark, we're seeing um, buyers, um, you know, wanting to invest and wanting to get the best deal they possibly can. I was analyzing the high end the other day and we're seeing 20% discounts. Now we were seeing 20% discounts before the pandemic or 15% discounts on some of the big high end North of hundred million dollar properties we've had in the last three months in, you know, our high end markets like Bel Air Beverly Hills, the Hollywood Hills, Brentwood Palisades, and Santa Monica, uh, about five sales north of $20 Now, that's not bad for the past three months. Um, Obviously, most recently, there was a $36.5 million sale in Homie Hills to Kylie Jenner. Um, Clearly, she is not suffering (laughs) from a pandemic. Not much. Um, So, it'll be... It'll be interesting to see um, where the high end uh, goes. I'm doing most of my showings uh, right now, north of 20 million. And then I'm seeing some buyers come into the market and wanting um, to see what the developers that do, you know that are holding multiple properties at a time you know in that sort of 5 to 10 million dollar price point point. and you know people are just putting pen to paper and seeing what sticks and and they should be and in in my opinion you know people should be getting out there right now we're going into an election year um i was talking with flag about this the other day when we had a we did a little cooking segment live um my co-star on the show million dollar listing and you know we both agreed that you know there is uncertainty. And if you are a seller, I do anticipate in the next, you know, the next six months, sort of the backlash of, of COVID and this pandemic and our economy figuring out how we're going to recover, which of course is, you know, affects our real estate market. So if I was going to list my house right now um, with inventory being down a little bit um, and I had something special, um, I would put it on the market immediately.
0: I love the Million Dollar Listing Show. I love it in New York. I love it in Los Angeles. It always, I always wonder how- Do you like it more in New York? I Well, <laughs> I will say it's equal love. It's different love, you know, because in Los Angeles, you really get the wow space, right? You get these like yeah. mansions, New York, you got to get really creative <laughs> with your vertical living. Yeah, and so a little it's more a, real estate porn, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I'm obsessed with real estate. We just actually bought, in this market. We bought a home. That's a whole other story. But my listeners know I'm a big real estate fan. I like talking about real estate, learning about it and watching your show. I I wonder how do you what do you have to do to get to the point where people who have 20 million dollar homes say, I want you to be my broker. And maybe this is now taking pages out of your book. Fear is just a four letter Hmm. word, but would love to hear from you about how you did it? You know, maybe this isn't everybody's recipe, but I am sure there are a lot of lessons learned. How you got to the point where you now everything is through referral? People want you. You're known as that person who's going to make the deal. But to get there, how'd you have to do it? Yeah.
1: Well, you know, I, I have to say we never stop marketing and promoting ourselves. I mean, we're in sales, so you have to remember there's always going to be another slew of younger, aggressive people coming up the line in the business, and we have to stay on our toes. Um, you know, there is a seniority and in, uh, in our business, just like anything else. And, you know, after 20 years, and working my ass off, I obviously have, you know, developed a really great network of not only brokers, but clients that trust me and refer me business. That being said, you know, you are taking a little bit of a page out of my book. And it does take Time. You don't walk into something like this business working on a commission base only and, you know, come out of the gates and in the first three years, you know, you're killing it. Now, having the connections and the network built in is a big part of it. But I remember being, you know, a junior in the business and coming into it at the age of like 23, 24 years old and thinking, well, I'm connected. I live in LA. I know a ton of rich people. This is going to be a breeze for me. And, you know, that was a rude awakening and, you know, a little naivete and also a gigantic ego at the age of 24, you know, I was smacked in the face with the reality that, you know, people don't trust their greatest asset with someone, you know, that isn't skilled. And that's really what it boils down to. You know, you have to know your job. You have to have um, that experience under your belt on some level. And, um, you know, then what comes after it is grit and, you know, the ability to sell. I mean, you either have that skill or you don't. And you should know it, you know, if you're getting into this business. And if you don't have that skill, but you have, you know, maybe you're not an extrovert or, you know, out there networking like me every other day, um, I know where my weaknesses are. So, you know, that's why I brought in a partner when my business started getting, you know, too big for me to handle on my own. And, you know, This is a, you know, I'm speaking about my partner, Gina Dickerson, who, you know, graduated from Columbia with a finance degree is a lot more about back end um, and really understanding the systems that you have to put in place. And I'm really the person out there feeding the pipeline and getting the business and you have to know. You know what your strengths and weaknesses are, and play off of that. But you you got to have that grit because this isn't a business for the weak. And there's a lot of sharks out there, particularly in Los Angeles, New York, and all the major markets. And if you can't compete at that level, you're going to get crushed in in an economy and a real estate market like this.
0: Yeah, I mean, just looking at your show as an example, although this is you know dramatized a bit, but there are a lot of big personalities in the real estate industry, especially when you're talking about big deals, multi million dollar homes. I know you said that it you have to have it. If you don't have that big personality, how do you stay toe to toe with some of these people? Does that necessarily disqualify you, or can you still be yourself, no. even if you're a quieter? Yeah, self?
1: yeah. I mean, don't don't misunderstand me when I when I say have it or you know be the extrovert. I really mean more. You know, obviously we're on a TV show, and so we all have big personalities. But I think. Having it and having the skill set to sell is something that is you know has been with me since I was a kid. I liked the art of, you know, I wanted to be a judge because I wanted to tell people what the right answer was. You know what I mean? so <laughs> you you have the ability to you have to have the ability to um, sell, and that is just innate. Um, if you don't have that ability whether you're um, you know, more of an introvert and um, a hard worker and you know, someone like Gina, you know, she still has the ability to sell. She has it, but where she shines and her strongest skill set is gonna be in contracts and contract negotiations and the back end legal piece of how to write a contract correctly, where my skill set and where I shine is out in the field and being able to pick up clients. And, um, you know, that is a big piece of our business. If we're not fulfilling that pipeline, you know, always, um, and then, you know, having the ability to close is you're never going to make it in this business. You know, there's a ton of real estate agents out there. And the reason that there is, is because we have no cap to what we can make financially. The fact that I was, you know, 20, 20, probably six years old and I had made like 300 grand by the time I was 26 year old. And my, you know, my third year in real estate, I mean, I never thought I'd make that kind of money in my lifetime. Um, and I think that that's very attractive to a younger audience right now because climbing the corporate ladder can take years and years and years. And, you know, in most cases there is a cap to what you can make. And that what that's what makes real estate so sexy, but it also makes it incredibly competitive.
0: Mm -hmm. You could have easily written a book about how to be successful in real estate. Instead, you chose to focus on confidence and how to sort of show up in your work and be successful, still being you, but also knowing kind of like the rules to play by. And what was the inspiration for this book as opposed to maybe the one that was a lower hanging fruit, which was how to, you know, make it, strike it rich in real estate?
1: Right. For me, I had a platform when I um, had the opportunity and and the ability to work on a show like million dollar listing and be on a network like Bravo and Bravo is incredibly inclusive and, um, as a network. So being the first woman on a show that had been airing for nine years prior to my existence, I recognized the power in that. And, you know, I'd been fighting my way up that ladder for a very long time, competing against incredibly big personalities, not just men, but women as well. But I really wanted to speak to women, um, who sort of would potentially have had the same struggles that I had, you know, going through a divorce, becoming single at, you know, 41 years old um, and, you know, kind of restructuring my entire life. But I also wanted to speak to young women that were entering the business world and, you know, from an entirely different generation um, where social media has sort of guided everybody into this false sense of of who they are and and you know uh, confidence being a major player in that what we see online and what we see in the media is not necessarily what's you know behind that that velvet curtain and i wanted to expose to some of these young women coming out there you know what it actually takes and you know everybody has that that fear we all struggle with it i struggle with it at 44 Every single day. But if I can give some basic tips to young women um, or or women or even men entering my business or any corporate world for that matter and teach someone how to embrace their fears and how to deal with it so that they can move up the ladder faster than I did.
0: I'd, I'd like to share that knowledge. Hmm. You have said that, and you say this in, the, in your book, I'll try every possible way to get a deal done before I give up on it. So you have to share a story here. Like what is something that you did that even surprised yourself that allowed you to <laughs> seal the deal, something crazy or like a story that you're going to tell your grandkids? I mean, there's a there's a hundred of them, but I, I my friend
1: Corey Weiss, who used to run West Coast um, New Development for Douglas Elliman, I've known him for twenty years. We've been in the business together forever, and he always says that I am like the chick that like dives off the boat when the the fish try, gets unhooked and tries to swim away. And he's right because I'll be in a negotiation where. I'll have a partner on it or the other agent will sit on the other side and, you know, they'll say, you know, we're at the end here. We're at the end of the road. You got to let it go. And I never, ever let it go. And this year we had a listing uh, that I was partnering with Josh Altman with on the show in the Palisades. And we, they invited me onto the listing because they were having a little bit of a tough time selling it. And I happened to kind of specialize in that area a little bit more. So we sort of, you know, adjusted the staging a little bit, reduced the price, put it on the market and, you know, within 3 weeks I think I had a couple of offers. One of them was low and we ended up going with another one and they backed out of escrow. So now I had an antsy um seller and I needed to get it back in escrow quickly. Well, the other buyer that had written the offer I called back and I said, and, you know, Altman's were like, dude, the deal's done. And I said, well, hold on. And I got permission from my seller to call back the other buyer that had written the offer. And I said, what if we structured this a little bit differently? You don't want to pay the price that my client wants, but you're a developer. So you're going to flip this on the back end. What if we structured a deal where you don't think this house is selling for more than $12 million, so you don't want to pay me more than $7 I say, if you do this right and you do the things that I'm telling you to do to this house, that you're going to get a minimum of 12. So what if we say that anything over 11 million on the back end, if you get to 11.5, maybe you throw my client an extra $100,000. If you get to 12, then you throw my client 250 so that my client had the ability to make some money on the back end. Now, that was a really creative way to put a deal together. And you know, we were actually able to do it. Um, it didn't come to fruition in the end, but that's just one of the things that, you know, one of the places that I will go. And, um, you know, my partner was like, you're, you're insane. You should have just walked away. And the truth is, I don't like walking away. I like winning.
0: What's a time when you really failed and you've, and maybe it was in the early years, a lesson that was learned the hard way and that you never made that mistake again? Oh my God.
1: Um, you know, to be honest with you, there isn't, one massive mistake that sticks out. And I get this question all the time. I think my success has come from a plethora of failures along the way. All of them are important in different ways. But, you know, I think, you know, I'll just talk about something that happened recently. Um, Being reactive in a situation when you're in a high stakes real estate game is important. And people will often say, don't be reactive. And I just say, bullshit, you should be reactive, but it just needs to be trained. Like you need to know how to be reactive in a situation and trust your gut and trust your instinct. Well, I was sitting in a negotiation, um, across, you know, two very, very powerful, um, ego driven men. And I was sitting between them and, uh, i wasn't as reactive as as I wanted to be, and i I didn't handle a situation well and you know when you're sitting between two gigantic egos and they're going back and forth and they were losing sight of what the goal was, which was to negotiate the potential purchase of a few hundred million in real estate and i couldn't get control of the situation and as I was reeling about how I was going to get control of the situation. And, you know, again, these two dominating male figures sitting on either side of me, I think one of them sensed that I was losing the, losing my control on it and he loved it. And he, I, when I, I leaned in and I said, Hey guys, why don't we get back to what we're here to talk about, which is, you know, you know, real estate and this portfolio. I think that's that's what we need to be focused on because we're doing a lot of back and forth about some nonsense. And he called me out and basically told me that I had, you know, you know what my attitude problem was and and was I on my period. So in that moment, I really needed I really had lost control of the situation so much so that he was able to speak to me that way. And I, you know, I flipped out and I, I, I got up from the table and I ended up going to the bathroom and had to gather myself and then come back to the table. I was able to kind of put that deal back together and, and, you know, take control of the situation by saying, you know, you ever talk to me again like that? And this meeting is over. Um, but it certainly was a lesson that when I left that day, I got in the car and I was, I was in tears because I knew that I let him get under my skin. And there's going to be so many times, you know, particularly when you are a strong female in business and you're negotiating contracts and high end deals that to the tune of, you know, millions of dollars in commission um, where you're going to have to deal with stuff like that and be able to be be able to respond in, in a way that, you know, allows you to hold your ground. And I lost my footing there. And even though I was able to regain it, it just reminded me that even at 44, and even with the level of confidence that I have, and fuck, I wrote a book a book about it. Um, you know, I lost that battle, and I and that is just a constant reminder to me that I have to continue to be on my toes and keep working at it.
0: Well, sounds like he also lost his footing in that meeting. Yeah, whoever that person I, was, you know what he did. He does he does he understand? He did, and I
1: think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the whole idea of being reactive, um, you know, that knee-jerk reaction that we all want to come back and say, you know, I mean, I could have said so many things to him. Um, Would they have been right? No, they wouldn't have. And um, but I didn't like that. He saw me get flustered. And, you know, ultimately, when I gathered myself, came back to the table and sat there and when I felt confident enough to re-enter the conversation and I said what I said to him. He was like, I was just, you know, I was kidding with you, you know, and I could sense that I knocked him off his pedestal and he felt uncomfortable. And I think it was important that I sort of regained that, you know, my footing. And I did, but it wasn't in the way that, that I had anticipated. And we just always have to be prepared for those moments. You never know when someone's going to come at you.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of discussion right now, uh, Tracy, about the value that we put on, Things, whether that's our homes, college education, even our salaries, that right now everything's so shaken up. You know, the economy is not going to go back to what it was. We had this 11 year bull market and everyone benefited, including real estate uh, agents and buyers, well, sellers really. Um, and so I'm wondering within your industry, is there any like prediction about where prices could go. I'm not talking in the next six months, but like long term, you know, you're talking about even before this prices were at a 20% discount. Uh, we're talking at the luxury level. Um, do you think that that's going to be a little uh, like a continuation um, for years to come? Because maybe we've just been over valuing things. Um, there's, it's been a very frothy market in many ways.
1: Yes. I think that that's really an important point that you're making I do think we've been overvaluing things. I think, you know, the market gets very bullish, um, but you've got a lot of developers out there, particularly in my market, you know, in Los Angeles and like, you know, Malibu and these areas that are producing 150, $200 million sales. um, You know, we've got people that have a lot of money and when you have that kind of money, you don't have the need to sell. So they put, you know, like the Asria property north of a couple hundred million dollars. It's no, not worth anywhere near that. But, you know, that has become a trend in the high end. And it's unfortunate because it really sets the tone for the rest of the market. And the problem with that is when we're sitting down with our clients and we're talking about value, you know, oftentimes sellers become incredibly confused. Well, so-and-so listed their property, you know, for 70 million which means i should be at least at 45 and it's like that has zero relevance to what the property is actually going to sell for and then on the flip side when that 70 million property actually trades for 49 then there's a panic in the market because they had to take such a drastic reduction i think um what we've been seeing a little bit of particularly on in los angeles and you know coming off the heels of new york having you know some serious um, declines in market value um, in the last year and a half, we have, haven't had that. And, you know, LA generally will follow New York, but I think what we have seen is more of an evening out and kind of coming back down to what the real values actually are. Um, We still are, of course, are seeing developers put bigger numbers on it, but they're just one fraction of the entire market. And so, um, you know, luckily, luckily, um, we've been able to hold our ground and I think the market is really strong in Los Angeles right now.
0: So what's the future of reality TV? If we're not able to leave our homes and show houses, and I mean, the, have, is there, maybe I don't know if you can share, but just curious where the conversations are right now as far as the, I know that, that there's still another season that we're going to be seeing that you've already filmed and edited, but as for the future of the series, what's uh, what's going on?
1: Well, right now, usually once our show starts airing, Um, you know, within the first three weeks, we either, you know, get the go ahead that we are, you know, wanted for another season or we don't. And luckily, you know, we're going into the 12th year of this show being on the air and it's one of the longest running shows on Bravo. So I don't think we're going anywhere. I think people love watching television about real estate. I think that, you know, Los Angeles and New York are two really incredible markets that, you know, people want to know about. And, you know, when you have the ability to share that in a way that's, um, I think, interesting and entertaining, um, I don't see our show going anywhere.
0: Well, I certainly hope not. I'm a big fan. Congratulations Among with everything that you've got going on. You've also put out an incredible book that's coming out actually later this summer. So we're happy that we got you a little bit before the big press push. Fear is just a four-letter word. How to develop the unstoppable confidence to own any room, even if your room right now is just the rooms in your house. Because we've got, <laughs> we got a lot of... Pers- <laughs> the personalities get bigger and bigger the longer you're in quarantine with your family. So... You, this book oh, is relevant exactly in all sure. times.
1: Yeah, it really is. And, you know, interestingly enough, you know, obviously we're challenged uh, because, you know, launching my first book in during a pandemic is a little terrifying. It's terrifying nonetheless. But, um, you know, we're having to shift and, and figure out new and different and creative ways to market a book where normally I'd be out doing a book tour and speaking at different conferences and having the ability to pre-sell this book. So, you um, I, I like the challenge of what that's bringing for us. And, you know, we're discussing every day new, new ways to sort of put that out there. Um, but it also, on the flip side, I think fear right now is something that everybody, you know, globally is, have been experiencing for the last, you know, several months. And so, you know, to launch a book about that and particularly about, you know, business is, I think it's a great time to be sitting down and reading a book about fear.
0: Tracy Tudor, thank you so much. Take care of yourself and best wishes. Oh, thank you. Well, just a little
1: FYI, you, guys, you can pre-order the book right now on Amazon.com. It'll be out July 14th. Uh, it can also be ordered on re- Penguin Random
0: House. And I hope you guys enjoy it. Thanks so much to Tracy for joining us. The book, Fear is Just a Four-Letter Word, comes out in July, but we have the pre-order link on the website. Go to somoneypodcast.com to pre-order Tracy's book. All this information is on the website, the transcript, the audio. And if you'd like to leave me a question for our Friday episodes, click on Ask Farnoosh and I will reply. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. I hope your day is so money.